morning. Thanks for braving the weather and coming out and joining us. Um, normally by this time, I've preached like three times, getting ready for the fourth, and, and I'm pretty tired. Um, I'm tired right now because yesterday I did absolutely nothing. Like, you ever had like just a lazy, do you know that like doing absolutely nothing is exhausting? John Sampson, I don't know how you do it all the time, but... <laughs> I'm just kidding, man. I'm just, I'm just kidding. But it is. It's like I didn't realize how like exhausted it was. I like for real. It was so nice. I was like joking in my house yesterday that I took a vacation day and nobody was allowed to mess with me, and um, I did like nothing. It was, it was pretty cool. Um, but it's tiring. Um, today, today though, um, we're going to continue in our series. If you got a Bible, um, Luke chapter five is where we're going to be. Um, we're in week number four of a series called Called Out: Choosing Calling Over Comfort. Um, answering the call that Jesus um, wants in our lives to move from, from ordinary to extraordinary. And, and we've spent this, this past four weeks really talking about the fact that Jesus calls us out of, of good times and bad times. Like Jesus will, will call us um, out of whatever we're doing in order to take a next step in our journey with him. He's never going to leave us where we are um, and, he, he'll, and where we get comfortable, he'll, he'll always take us to where he wants us to be. And, and that journey sometimes is difficult. Um, week number one, we said that when Jesus calls us out, he's not doing it because he wants to shame us. Uh, a lot of times that's what we think, that he's calling us out and, and he wants to move us or he's telling us what we're doing wrong or he's yelling at us and, and he wants to put us in front of the class and, and, and make fun of us or whatever. But, but ultimately, he, he, he's not doing that. He calls us out because he wants to celebrate Something inside of us. Um, week number two, I told you that, that Jesus is not after our ability. He's after our availability. And when Jesus calls us, he makes us able. He provides us what we need to take our next step. And so whatever Jesus is calling you into, you can rest assured that it's okay. That he's going to make a way for you to take that step. For you to, to be who he's called you to be. We just have to have faith and we just have to trust him that he's smarter than us. Last week, um, Pastor Gary talked uh, about pressing forward in your call, and, 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 he, and he, he talked about the necessity of doing that. And I started thinking about that this week, about, about pressing forward, and how we ended week number two with the illustration of people texting us and asking us if we're available for a call. Re remember, we talked about availability, and we said, hey, one of the things people do nowadays is they text you. They, they don't just call straight up. In the old days, somebody would just call and you answer the phone. And a long time ago, believe it or not, we didn't even have caller ID. We didn't even know who called us. And so we had to answer the phone in different voices and wait until somebody said, you know, and try to figure all that out. But, 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 but now people text and they ask, are you available for a call? Or, hey, can I call you? Or, or do you got five minutes to talk? Or, or whatever. They're, they're asking about our availability. And so as I was thinking about that, I was thinking about mixing those two ideas together of being available and, and pressing, or, pressing forward, I thought in order to set this message up, um, I, I need to talk about something that a lot of us will connect with. Um, today we're going to talk about progress. And, and one of the best illustrations that I could think of on progress um, is to, to illustrate it through talking about the cell phone. All right, How many people have a cell phone? Everybody, right? Every, Six-year-olds are raising their hand right now. Nursery kids are raising their hand. They're pulling out of their diaper. They got cell phones. Um, I'm 45 years old. I was born in 1974, so I've been around for a while. I remember the very first cell phone I ever saw. Not heard about, not read about. The first one I saw with my own two eyes. Actually, it wasn't even a cell phone. Um, do you remember what they were called at first? They were called, 
no, even before mobile phones, even before the bag phone, car phone, right? Car phone, it looked like this right here. That's who had them, that, those guys, like that. Um, I, I remember the first, like, like, you seriously took your car to a place and they bolted your phone in. Um, I, we lived in Ohio, and my dad was um, getting ready to move us to Indiana, and, and he, he took us out um, on a visit uh, to, to talk to my uncle. My uncle owned a, um, a manufacturing uh, company that manufactured soft-serve ice cream machines. And, um, and we went out there to go to the Indianapolis 500. He had sponsored a car, and we were going to sit in his suite. And, and we go to his house, and we're driving to the thing. And I got to ride in his car, and that's the very first time I saw a car phone. And he was telling me all about the car. I was fascinated by this thing. I had never seen it before. I was excited years ago when we moved from rotary to push button. All right, that, that's where I was at. And so seeing this thing was like a whole new world. I had heard about them. I had seen them in movies, but I had never saw one before. And he's telling me all about it. He's, he's explaining it. And, and I'm like, man, that, there's no way that you can call state to state. And he let me, he let me make a phone call to my mom. And um, it sounded like I was talking in a drum. It, it was like 1986. It was crazy. But, but that, was, that, was, that was the first time I had ever saw one. Now, after, after the car phone was the what? This was the, the bag phone, right? The bag phone. Bag phones cost like $26 a minute to use. R- remember that? Like, like you had to be like super important to have a, a bag phone. Like it sat in your car. And, and, and if you, you had an important phone call that was coming up, you took it with you, but you never really carried it around all the time because it just cost so much. I remember being at the Colts game and, and seeing somebody with a bag phone in front of me and thinking, this must be an important person because they got a bag phone. It, it was inconceivable to me that somebody would actually take a telephone with them somewhere. Like, like I couldn't, couldn't believe it. After that, after the bag phone, came the brick phone. Remember that? The, the brick phone was huge. It was like this big. Um, if you ever watched Saved by the Bell, that was the phone Zach Morris used all the time. It was huge. And people put it in their pocket to look cool, but it never looked cool. Um, after the brick phone, phones started getting smaller. They had the StarTech. Remember that? You'd flip it open and like Star Trek, but it wasn't Star Trek or track, trek, whatever. It was StarTech. was this thing. It's all messed up. And, 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 and People had these things, and remember, like, this is when texting kind of first started happening, but you didn't really text, and you had to press the button a whole bunch, and text messages cost like $5 a piece, so you didn't really do it, and, and then after this phone, the, the Razor came out, it was popular for like two seconds, and nobody liked that, and so texting started to become a thing, and so they brought out the keyboard phone. Remember these things? Remember these? These things weighed 872 pounds. You put this thing in your pocket and pulled the pants. This is where the whole pants to the ground thing started was with that phone right there. Maybe not. I don't know. Um, but after that came the BlackBerry. How many of you remember Blackberries? I had a Blackberry later on, like number five or something. But I remember the first time I saw a Blackberry and somebody told me you could do email from the Blackberry. And this was my thought. Who would ever want to do that? Who would ever want to email from a cellular device? Like, that's never going to take off. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard of. How many of you check email every day on your phone? Yeah, Dale, no, you don't. Like, <laughs> Dale's like half raising his hand over there. It's like, I don't, not every day, but anyway. Um, <laughs> after that, Apple got into the game, and now there are I everythings, right? And then God's chosen creation 
is the droid. This is what everybody should be carrying, right? Th that's what I have, so that's what I think everybody else had. Now, my phone right there, that was inconceivable to me in like 86 when I saw my first cell phone. The thought that every single person would carry a cell phone was nuts to think about. So here's the point. No matter who you are, no matter what your belief in God or Jesus or religion or whatever, you have to agree that when it comes to cell phones, we have definitely made some progress. Yes or no? Yes. Go back to the illustration I shared about being at the Colts game. If you saw somebody walking around today in the mall with a bag phone, you wouldn't think, oh my gosh, that's a really important person. No, you would start pulling your kids closer to you because obviously this person has something wrong with them. They're still carrying a bag phone. That's a problem. You're calling them out because we know when it comes to cell phones, we've made significant progress. We'll flip that over to the spiritual side. Now let's talk about making spiritual progress. I, I want to talk about what it's like to take another step forward in our walk with Jesus. Because listen, the goal of Christianity is not perfection. It's progress. The goal of Christianity is progress, not perfection. Now, I want to pause and I want to kind of say to people who, who think that... that People always throw out Bible when you say certain things that they don't like. And so somebody's thinking or somebody's going to throw out Matthew 5.48 that says, Jesus said, be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. And so you're wrong, Ryan. You need to be perfect. Jesus was saying that to a group of people in order to prove to them that they could not be perfect. Thus, they needed him. Oh, oh by the way, and we'll get into this in a few weeks. Two steps forward and one step back is still one step forward. That means progress, right? And, and so the goal of following Jesus is not perfection, because if it is, we're all out of luck. Seriously, the goal is progress, not perfection. Now, let's pick it up where I left off two weeks ago. Real quick review for everyone. Luke chapter five, verse one, Jesus is preaching by the, the shore of the Sea of Galilee, and there are crowds of people gathered around him, remember? And, and Peter is over, and he had fished all night, and so he's washing out his nets. He hadn't caught anything. He's tired. He's frustrated. He's angry, maybe a little bit confused. And then Jesus walks over, and Jesus gets in his boat. Remember we talked about that, that Jesus basically carjacked Peter's boat? He gets into the boat, and he goes, hey, I need to use your boat to teach the people. And Peter, we, we said the key to Jesus using Peter when he called him out was that Peter was available. Peter was available. That's the key to this entire series, that when Jesus calls us out, we're available, right? When, when Jesus calls you out, that's the first step. Are you available? Hey, Lord, here I am. Hey, he's calling you. He, he, he wants to talk to you. He wants to speak to you. He wants to, to bring you in to what he has for you. He wants to call you out of where you are and take you to where you need to be. The first step in that is making yourself available. Jesus used Peter to change the world. And it all started with, can I use your boat? Yeah, you can use my boat. I'm available, my boat's available. We're always gonna get called to take another step in order to make some progress. All right, so that was that, was that, that week. We're gonna pick up in verse four. It's talking about Jesus right here. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon. Now, this first half of this verse is loaded. It's huge. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, now if you're a note taker, you like to write things down, um, two specific things I want to point out in this verse. When we hear from God, when we hear something from God, 
it's called revelation. Now, theologically speaking, there are two types of revelation. Number one is general revelation. Number two is special or specific revelation. General revelation and special, the, 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 if you read theological books, they're going to say general and special. I'm going to throw in the word specific right here because I want to show you something. Because we see both sides of these in the text. Look at this. When he had finished speaking, to who? To who? Everybody, right? When Jesus, because what does he do? He says, Peter, can I use your boat to do what? Teach the crowd, right? Right? Everybody follow along, right? I'm going to use your boat because I'm going to teach the crowd of people. When he had finished speaking to everybody, that's general revelation, all right? That, that's, that's the first one. And then he says, don't miss this. Look, look what it says next. When he finished speaking, he said to Simon. Did he say that to everybody, yes or no? No, he said it only to who? Simon, Simon Peter. He said it only to him, which means specific revelation. Now, when it comes to God speaking, and, and, and there are some things, all right? You know these questions about God speaking to me, and, and what happens when God speaks to me? Um, what, what do I do? How do I pray through it? There are some things that generally we don't have to pray about. We just know that we need to do it. We know what God's will is because of the totality of what the Bible says. For example, let's just say hypothetically, all right? You're like me, and you have anger issues when it comes to traffic and somebody cutting you off. Just, just saying. Probably not anybody here but me. Um, you don't have to say when somebody runs you, run, runs you off the road or cuts you off or whatever, you don't have to say, God, should I ram them with my truck? Should I hit them and then put it in reverse and hit them again and then hit them again and put it in reverse and hit them again and hit them again? We don't have to pray about that. You know why? Because the answer is no every time. Trust me, I've asked a lot. It's always No. Every once in a while, I'll, I'll meet a skeptic that says, it doesn't say anywhere in the Bible that you can't hit people with your car. All right, you, you know why? Because they didn't have cars in the Bible. They, they didn't. They, they didn't have them. They had camels. And I don't know what that's like. Somebody cuts you off with the camel, and you get mad. Ah, bite them, Frank. Like, I, I don't know what that would look like, but I'm sure there was some kind of camel rage. I, I don't know. But, but the number and number and number and number of verses that talk about the grace and the kindness and the mercy of God, because of that, we know that ramming people with our cars is just general revelation that we shouldn't do that, right? But let's, let's, let's say, maybe, maybe this will hit more with you. Let's say you're leaving High V today, and you're walking to the car, and you've had a really, 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 really bad week. And somebody walks up to you and says, hey, man, Looks like you had a rough week. I want to give you a hit of meth for free. You don't have to pray about that, right? You don't have to pray about that. Uh, I don't know. Let me make a pros and cons list. Pros. Next few hours might be interesting. Con. Probably going to lose my job. You, you don't have to pray about that, right? Once again, there's not a verse in the Bible that says don't smoke crack or don't use meth, but because of the totality of Scripture, we can conclude because of God's general revelation all through the Scripture, we shouldn't do that. God has um, what I like to call red lights and green lights. God says, um, hey, no, you don't need to do these things, red light. 
God says, okay, you can do these things. Yes, these like green light. A, a lot of people think the Bible is just red lights. No, you can't do this. No, 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 no. But it's not just red lights. It's red lights and green lights. God isn't just a no God. He's a yes God also. And he's always speaking. People say, oh, how does God speak? He's always speaking, always speaking. He speaks through the scripture, through the Bible. And he also speaks through creation. I don't know about you, but every time for me, every time I see a sunrise, and, and I don't see them very often, just let you know, because uh, I'm lazy, I like to sleep in, um, but this morning driving in, seeing the sun on the snow, and I mean, it was just, it was incredible. And, and it reminds me, a scripture reminds me, like in Lamentations, where it says his mercies are made new every single morning. Every time uh, I, I'm on top of a mountain, or I'm standing in front of the ocean, I'm reminded, I'm really small. And God is really big. And, and it throws me to Psalm 8 where, where it says, what is man? That God is mindful of him. What, what are we? God is huge. Creation is huge. Creation is magnificent. What are we? That God is mindful of us. God is always speaking. Always speaking. General revelation. There's a lot of stuff that, that God says that we just know, hey, th this is what God says. We just understand. Yes to this and, and no to this. There are things we don't have to pray about. We don't have to ask. We just understand because of general revelation. Now, the other side of this, when he had finished speaking, the Bible says, Luke chapter 5, verse 4, when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon. So in other words, again, he's speaking to the crowd. But then he pauses and he speaks specifically to Simon Peter. Now, I don't know if you've ever heard God speak to you audibly. I, I have not. I, I haven't, really. I've never heard him speak audibly. Some people say they've heard God speak audibly. I'm, I'm not here to argue whether you have or haven't. I personally hope I don't ever hear him audibly because it would probably really scare me. I get freaked out really easy and I'm, because he loves me and he knows me and he knows that I'm an idiot, he's probably going to yell at me. And so I don't really want to hear that. But I know God speaks to people specifically. I've heard him internally many times. You hear me talk about all the time, like I've heard God speak. I've heard God speak to my heart. I've heard God internally speak to me. And it's been a loud voice inside of my head. It, it, it has. I'm, I, I heard him clearly when he called me to ministry. I heard him clearly when he called me um, to come to Iowa. There, there have been countless times where I've, I've heard God speak to me, all right? And, and so God speaks generally, and God speaks specifically. I've heard him speak specifically to me. Now, now this, is, this is where a, a lot of people, they say, okay, how do I hear the voice of God, right? How do I hear it? Don't miss this. Jesus spoke to Peter specifically after Peter simply made himself available. Right? Hey, man, can I use your boat? Can I use your boat. I'm going to go out. I'm going to talk to the entire crowd. He, he spoke to him specifically, gave him special revelation, right, when he made himself available. That's what we talked about two weeks ago, making ourselves available. That's such an important step, availability. And, and people say, what is that? I, I don't know. I don't know what it is for you. I don't. I don't know if it's a quiet time. I don't know if it's daily Bible reading. I, I don't know if it's praying, um, just specifically 10 minutes. I, I, I don't know. You're driving down the road and you're putting on worship music or, or whatever. I, I'm not here to tell you and dictate to you how to make yourself available to God. One of the things that, that I like to say is find out what sets your heart on fire for Jesus. And when you figure that out, 
Just do that a lot. Figure out what, what sets your heart on fire for Jesus. And, and when you know that, when you know what that is, do that a lot. Peter was available. And that's when general revelation goes to special or specific revelation. When we make ourselves available, God actually becomes more audible. When we make ourselves available, that's when God becomes audible to us. L- look at this. In verse 4, let's finish verse 4, I guess. We haven't even done the whole thing yet. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let the nets down for a catch. This is not good news for Peter. Let me tell you why. Peter lived in a fishing village. Peter lived in a place called Capernaum. Everybody in the village knew about fishing. And they're all on the shore. They're all out there. They're waiting for the catch to come back in. They're probably all disappointed that a catch didn't come in. They're all standing out there waiting. So, so Peter, Peter is sitting in the boat with Jesus. Jesus had, had talked to everybody gathered together, everybody who knows about fishing. Uh, we don't know what Jesus said to them. He just talked to them. He taught them. And then he turns around to Peter and says, put out into deep water for a catch. Now, there are a couple problems with this. Number one, they didn't fish during the day. They fished at night. Number two, you didn't fish in deep water. You fished in the shallow water. So Jesus is asking Peter to do something that on the surface level doesn't make any sense. In fact, Peter probably thought, and and I've, I've thought this way before. Maybe you've felt this way before, too, when it comes to God speaking to you. Peter probably thought, he's setting me up for failure. He's setting me up to to embarrass me. He's setting me up to look badly. He's setting me up so that everyone's going to make fun of me. Have you ever felt like that? Have you ever felt like that? Peter, one time, uh, this is is a really goofy story and a goofy illustration. Um, But I was in Boy Scouts when I was a kid. And um, my very first hazing incident, now the first time I got hazed, uh, like I learned what hazing was, and then I learned how to do it, and I learned how to do it well. Uh, But it started when I was in Boy Scouts. Um, We were at an awards banquet, and they took me into the back. It was my first awards banquet. And they said, this is what we need you to do, man. We need you to take off all of your clothes. Now, this story has a good ending, all right, so stay with me. Um, We need you to take all your clothes off, strip down only to your underwear. And I'm like, what for? And they said, when, when, we get, when we call you out, this is what we want you to say. And so I didn't know what was going on. They just told me, hey, this is what we want you to say. All of my friends and all of my friends' parents are all in this room. It's a big Boy Scout troop. It's a big award ceremony. And, and, and they want me in my underwear to go out in front of everybody. And so what they did is they'd have the first kid come out, and, and it was a skit. And they would be like, hey, that's a really nice sweater. Where'd you get that? J.C. Penney. And the next kid would come out. That's a really nice T-shirt. Where'd you get that? J.C. Penney. Another kid would come out. That's a really nice pants. Where'd you get them? J.C. Penney. And then they made me run out in just my underwear. And the guy say, who are you? I'm J.C. Penney. Now listen, I thought everybody was going to laugh at me and everybody was going to make fun of me. Everybody exploded into applause and laughter because a lot of them had seen it before and they understood it. I, that, this, that's a really goofy illustration. And you're all sitting at me, you're like horrified because you can only picture me in my underwear right now. That's it. And it's bad, and I'm sorry, um, but I'm sure I was cute as a little kid. Um, I thought I was getting set up to be embarrassed. I thought I was getting set up to be made fun of. Peter probably thought in this story that he was being set up for failure, when actually he was being set up for success. 
When Jesus asks us to do things, it's not because he wants to set us up for failure or because he wants us to look bad. He wants to celebrate in us. Listen, when he told Peter, hey, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch, it wasn't a command. It was an invitation. A lot of people think that Jesus only issues commands. And yes, he, there are commands. There are things that, that he commands us to do. There are things that he wants us to do. There, 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 all, there are those. But it's not just commands. Jesus in this text is actually issuing an invitation to step into something greater than Peter could have ever imagined. But it didn't make sense. It didn't make any sense. None at all. One of the questions that somebody asked me years ago, and I think about this all the time, where in the Bible does God ever ask anyone to do anything easy or that made sense? Because if it was easy and it made sense, it wouldn't be called faith, would it? So Jesus, Jesus is looking at Peter and tells him, go out into the deep water. Let down the nets for a catch. And then verse 5, I love this. Simon answered, Master. Real important word right there. Circle that in your Bible and your outline. Underline that, highlight that, whatever. It's huge. Master, weave. Everybody say weave. Weave. Come back down a second. We've worked hard all night. Haven't caught anything. Now, now there, are some, there are some phrases that when we say them, we don't actually mean them. I was thinking about this the other day. If somebody comes up to you and says, hey, listen, all due respect. As soon as they say that right there, you know they're about to hit you with something that has nothing to do with respect, right? They just said, with all due respect, to make you feel better about the fact that they're about to highly disrespect you, right? We've all had people say that. It doesn't make us feel better at all. Or, or, or I love this one. Don't take this personally, right? People say that all, all the time, which right there, they're about to call your baby ugly or something. Like, there, there's no way around, like, it's, something bad's going to happen. When they tell you don't take this personally, it doesn't mean what we think it's going to mean. Right here in this story, Simon calls Jesus master, which is a sign of respect. But, 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 there's, a, but there's a twist here. Because if Jesus is really master, it, it doesn't require a conversation. You just do what he tells you to do. So Simon calls Jesus master, which at this point in the story is a sign of respect. He respected Jesus, but... He wasn't quite sold on what Jesus wanted. I get it. You get it too, because really it doesn't make any sense. Because remember, he said, Master, who's worked hard all night? We. We've worked hard all night. We worked hard. You didn't. We've worked hard. We have worked hard. You didn't do anything. While you were counting sheep, hanging with the sheep, (laughs) creating sheep, or whatever you do with sheep, while you were with the sheep, we were out with the fish. Actually, we weren't out with the fish because we didn't catch any fish, but we worked hard all night. We busted our butts all night long, and we've caught nothing. Simon's given pushback, and for understandable reasons. After all, ask yourself this question that he was probably asking himself. What does Jesus know about fish? He's a carpenter. What does he know about fish? He's not a fisherman. We've been out all night. We've worked hard and caught nothing. A lot of times, I think, and and I've done this, and, and I'm sure you've probably done this before too, we will say the right things about Jesus, but when it comes to really taking a step of faith and doing what he wants us to do, we're not quite sure. Understand this, Jesus wasn't trying to punish Peter. He was calling Peter into another step of progress. 
when God speaks to us, whether it's general revelation or specific revelation, he's not trying to punish us. He's calling us out so we could take one more step in our journey with him. It has nothing to do with a setback. It has everything to do with a setup for something that's better than anything we could ever possibly imagine. Peter's like, all right, master, I'm going to respect him. And then look at this. This is, this, is, this is one of my favorite and least favorite passages in the entire, phrases in the entire Bible, for real. Simon asked her, Master, we, we've been out all night, haven't caught anything. And look at this, look at this. But because you say so, I will. Circle that, underline that, that phrase right there. Remember that, tattoo that on your arm. This, this is huge. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. Hold on. What happened between, Master, we've worked hard all night and have caught nothing. And because you say so, I will let down the nets. T- to me, this is like an incomplete story. Something had to happen between, man, we've been out all night and we've caught nothing. And, but because you say so, I will. Because, Master, we've been out all night and caught nothing? Is Peter saying no. But, because you say so, I will, is Peter saying yes. Now, I can't prove this, but this is what I think. This is why I really like that opening video that we used. What I think is Jesus just smiled. He just had this smile on his face. Like he just had this, this smirk. Master, we've worked hard all night. We've caught nothing. Come on, Peter. Come on, let down the nets. I think there was just something that, that had Peter just look at Jesus and say, man, there's, there's something about this man. Uh, understand at this point, Peter had not seen Jesus walk on water. He had not seen Jesus bring Lazarus back from the dead. Peter had not seen Jesus calm a storm. He didn't know what Jesus was capable of. But when Jesus said, let's go out a little bit deeper and let's put down the nets for a catch, I, I, I think he smiled. I think he just paused and smiled a little bit at Peter. And, and, and Peter said, all right, man, because you say so, I will. In other words, I don't know everything there is to know about this man, but I trust it. See, over time, and, and I've been following Jesus for 22 years now. Over time, Jesus' track record is absolutely amazing. Mine sucks, but his is absolutely amazing because over and over and over and over and over again, you can look back and see he's able He's, he's able. When we make ourselves available, he gives us the ability to take that next step. See, here's a question I want you to ask yourself today. When it comes to Jesus, when's the last time he really let you down? When's the last time? No, no, I'm not asking when's the last time he didn't give you what you wanted. But when's the last time... He really let you down. The reason we feel let down by Jesus is because he doesn't do what we want him to do, right? Right? I mean, if we're honest, we feel let down because he doesn't do what I want him to do. He doesn't do what we want him to do. He doesn't do what you want him to do. But when's the last time he really let you down? See, I'm sure right here in this story that that Peter would have preferred just to go back to shore. He would have preferred just to go home. He's tired. He's confused. He's frustrated. He has doubts. But if Peter does what he wants, he would never have stepped into immeasurably more 
than Jesus had for him, right? Immeasurably more than what he wanted, but what Jesus wanted for him. Because you say so, I will. That's, that's huge, huge. Then verse 6, when they, look at this. When they had done so, not, not when they had prayed about it, not when they had gotten everybody's approval, not when they had gotten everybody together and had a meeting and voted on it, or not even after Jesus had promised them incredible results. Don't notice Jesus didn't say, hey, put out the net, put out a little bit deeper, and we're going to have an incredible catch. He just said, hey, let's go. Let's give it a shot. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. One more time. This was not a command by Jesus. It was an invitation. When Peter stepped into the invitation that Jesus had issued, he caught more in five minutes with Jesus, more than he could catch all night by himself. In this moment, Peter goes from being a part of Jesus' life to Jesus being a, a priority in Peter's life. That's progress. Now, if you know the story of Peter all throughout the Bible, if there's anybody who wasn't perfect, it was Peter. But at the end of the day, Peter, all throughout his spiritual journey, just learned to take Jesus at his word. And any time he fell down, he got back up. And any time Jesus called him out, he just said, because you say so, I will. Because you say so, because you say so, I will, changes everything. Because you say so, I will start. Because you say so, I will stop. Because you say so, I will give. Because you say so, I will serve. Because you say so, I will forgive. Because you say so, I will whatever. Because you say so, Lord. Because you say so, I will. So what would be that thing that God is specifically speaking to you today that you simply need to say? Because you say so, I will. Changes everything. Because you say so, because you say so, I will, brings about blessings. And, and, and listen to me, God's blessings are not just reserved for good people, for perfect people, or for pretty people. God's blessings are for anyone who says, you know what? Because you say so, I will. Because you say so, I will answer your call. So today, no matter who you are, no matter where you are in your spiritual journey, would you just be willing to make yourself available, allow God to speak to you, and, and whatever he says, whatever he says, whatever he says, answer his call and trust him that he will handle the results by simply saying, because you say so, because you say so, I will. Because you say so. Not because of what I want. Not because of what my parents want. Not because of what my spouse wants. Not because of what I think I need. Because you say so, Lord, I will. Let's stand and pray.